When we're in the midst of sitting in suffering and we've been praying for God to take it away, when the moment hits that we realize that he won't take it away, are we willing, like Jesus, to say, not my will, but yours be done? That sentiment is one of the reasons I really love this conversation with Melinda. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you have already met Melinda. She shared on the season finale of the Healing Series about how Darcy's story actually encouraged her. Melinda's been a listener for a while, and she actually wanted to share during the healing season, but she couldn't because a health condition has kept her from being able to speak for prolonged periods of time for a long time. However, God continued to press it on her heart until recently she reached out. And I don't think it's an accident that she's sharing during this Sitting and Suffering series. Her story is incredibly powerful for those of us that are trying to learn how to trust God when things keep on going wrong. Melinda shares in this conversation that at the point that she realized the suffering wasn't going away, her prayer became, God, help me to share the story you're giving me. Help me to be a conduit of your comfort. And ultimately, her prayer became, God, I would love for you to heal me, but not my will, but yours be done. Now, this conversation is a testament to God's power. As Melinda later shared with me, it is the longest she's been able to speak in nearly a year and a half. There were so many obstacles standing in the way of us being able to record this conversation. And yet God made it happen because I believe there is something he wants to encourage you with today. You're listening to episode 125 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, we just thank you that you are God and you are good. And yeah, we just really want to come to you today because we know there are so many barriers to this conversation happening from the work happening in my house to Melinda's health and just the limitations and even being able to speak for prolonged periods of time. And so we know that you're a God that can make anything happen. And so we're willing to trust you if it's multiple conversations, but we'll also know that you can work if you want to make it one big one. So we trust you fully. I pray for just wisdom and guidance as we go, awareness of health. And in all this, we pray that you would guide our words and thoughts, that this would be about you and not about us. We thank you in advance for how we do believe already that you're going to work. Let's pray in most holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, Melinda, I'm really excited to talk. And even just what we were touching base on before we started recording, just the way that we've gotten connected, just the touch points that we already have, and just the fact that you've been feeling like God was inviting you to share. But it wasn't until this season that it finally aligned that we could talk. And it's just so fitting to your story. But before we jump into the conversation, for everyone listening, what would you want them to know about who you are before we start having a conversation? My name is Melinda. I live in a small town, Nacogdoches, Texas. And so far, I've gone through about 18 years of sitting and suffering. But God has been faithful to reveal himself and to really work through these times in awesome ways. And a wonderful gift that he has given me recently is that after eight years of dating through many deep and difficult times with my health, God made it possible for me to marry my husband, Matt, a few months ago. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. (laughs) There really is so much to your story. And so I think the best way to get going is just to jump right in. So Melinda, tell me a story. I would love to. So I grew up in a Christian home and always loved God, but I didn't really experience him in powerful ways until after my suffering started. And that began in about 2004 
the year after I graduated from college. An injury led to a pain issue, and that led to another one and another one, and that led to my whole body just being in unbearable pain. Mm -hmm. And I was unable to sit down or lay down. I basically stood in place for 20 hours a day or so, and at night, I would take pain meds and maybe sleep for a few hours. But then as soon as I would wake up, I'd be in so much pain, I'd have to stand up immediately. And that was my daily existence. And I was housebound for many months. I went to doctors as much as I could, but they couldn't help me. So for a long time, basically, I was just praying for healing and for rescue from the situation. I just wanted to get out of the pain and back to my life. And I was really mourning the losses of almost everything in my life, my health, my freedom, my ability to drive, my future schooling. I'd been accepted to grad school for physical therapy and had to drop out. And so I was mourning the loss of my possible future career. My boyfriend and I broke up. I was really missing close connection with my family and my friends because I was in so much pain. I could barely make conversation. And just really lost the ability to move forward in life and, you know, my hopes for a future. But the Lord was so patient with me as he waited for me to finally submit to him and to seek his will for that season of my life. So when I was finally able to get to that point and say, like, okay, Lord, what are you doing in this season if it's not healing? Mm -hmm. And then that's when he began teaching me and changing me. And one of my thoughts that God wanted to deal with was that it felt like everyone else I knew got to go and continue their education, start a career, have a family. And I felt like I should have that too. So his first lesson to me was that I'm not entitled to anything, that every good thing God gives me is a blessing from him and he can give and take away those things as he sees fit. And in both times, like Job said, I'm to praise him. And God is able to give back what he has taken away. So God eventually got me to the point that if this was going to be my experience for the rest of my life, that I would still praise him. Hmm. And my prayer was that if God was going to take me through many deep and difficult times, that he would work in awesome ways and that I would consider it a privilege and a joy to tell others what he had done. He has answered that prayer many, many times. The next year, shortly after I turned 26, my mom passed away suddenly while I was still in isolation and great pain and all of that was going on. And the emotional pain on top of the physical pain was almost too much to, to bear. I remember that I just wanted to lay down and curl up on my bed in physical and emotional exhaustion, but I couldn't even do that because I was in too much pain. But in the midst of that terrible heartache, God really met me in a special way as I spent time with him in the quiet and especially in worship. I can remember listening to Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God song over and over and over day after day. And that is really when God met me and he filled me with his peace and love and began slowly easing the pain of that emotional loss, even as I was still in physical pain. And just during that time, he brought me such great comfort that I'd never experienced before in my life, just his overwhelming, just filling comfort and peace. And since then, he's given me opportunities to share that comfort with others. That was the first round of health issues, and that ended up keeping me housebound for most of those four years. Wow. 
we're only partway into the story <laughs> and you've got like 50 <laughs> stories. What's really striking me is I've heard plenty of people comment about how when hard things happen, they see the hard things and they think, how in the world can you say that God is good? And what's striking me is the fact that you are living through so many different things and you're saying that God is good, but you're not saying it in a cliche platitudinal way. Like I could tell in your voice, there's an authenticity to who you know God to be. And so you have people who are on the outside looking at a hard situation and saying, well, no, there's no way God could be good. Meanwhile, you're in the midst of the situation they're talking about hypothetically. You're like, I'm in it and I'm telling you <laughs> that God is good. You know, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man becomes so powerful in this. In only the first part of your story, I think it's just so powerful to see how something can be very true, even though those on the outside can't see it. Yeah. But this was only part of your journey. <laughs> and kind of what you're saying about seeing the goodness of God, I feel like a lot of times I don't see the goodness of God, yet I was saying at first, you know, I really had to submit to God and see what He was doing. So when I would submit to God and just be open to seeing His goodness, yeah. that's when I would start seeing His goodness. Like I was resistant to it for a long time there at first mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, over the past years. But yeah, when I would really be open to what He was doing in the situ situation, that's when I would see His goodness. So he actually gave me a few good years after that period of time. Mm. So over the next four years, I dealt with some of those health issues kind of to a lesser extent, but I was better enough. I got to work part-time for a ministry and then later to have a photography business. And actually, God did a miraculous healing at one point. Oh, wow. I was supposed to photograph a friend's wedding. And a week before that, I had a nerve pain injury that had gotten re-injured. And it was so bad to the point I could barely walk. Mm -hmm. And I was getting nervous. I was like, I've got to get this done. You know, it's too late for them to get another photographer. So as I thought God, he spoke directly into my situation through a devotional about walking in faith. Mm -hmm. And basically what it was saying was that, you know, the scripture walk by faith, not by sight. And it was saying, as you take steps of faith, depending on me, I will show you how much I can do for you. When I gave you my spirit, I empowered you to live beyond your natural ability and strength. So don't measure your energy level against the challenges ahead of you. The issue is not your strength, but mine, which is limitless. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit just said, this is your word for that situation. So I was supposed to literally walk in faith. Mm -hmm. So on the wedding day, God brought about in my circumstances what he had spoken in the devotional. And by the end of the day, I was better after walking around for 10 wow. hours straight. It was wow. really amazing. So I'm so thankful that I had that experience of miraculous healing. But for some reason in my life, most of the time, God walks through suffering with me rather than removing it. Mm. And that kind of goes into in 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in addition to, you know, continuing those other health issues that I had. But from the first day of my diagnosis, God really gave me the assurance that this was his will for me in that season. There was a devotional for that day when I got the call to come into the doctor's office and they won't tell you why you have to come in because, you know, the bad news is coming later. Mm -hmm. So I knew something was wrong, but didn't know what. I could feel my stress and worry start to build. And so I grabbed my Bible and devotional and just read. It was so perfect. It was saying, don't resist or run from the difficulties in your life. 
These problems are not random mistakes, but they're hand-tailored blessings designed for your benefit and growth. Embrace the circumstances that I allow in your life, trusting me to bring good out of them. View problems as opportunities to rely more fully on me. Just through that devotional and, you know, getting the news of breast cancer and wondering what all I would have to go through, God really just gave me assurance that he was entrusting me with this situation and that he really would bring good out of it. And I can even remember before I was going to go to Houston for my radiation treatments, I was in Walmart Mm -hmm. getting some last minute things and just had such an overwhelming sense that this was right and God was in this and that he was basically sending me out to go to this place. I love remembering that because just knowing the will of God and knowing that you're so in the center of it was such a calming and just blessing to me to know in the midst of a deep trial. He taught me so much during that year of breast cancer. Several lessons that he really wanted to teach me were about trust. That was one of the first things that year. He basically spoke to my spirit and said, do you trust me? And I was like, yes. (laughs) I was like, I think I do. Mm -hmm. So he's like, basically, you know, okay, so now you will have opportunities to walk that out in your circumstances during this season. And he taught me that he cares deeply about not only the big things in my life, but just the small, seemingly inconsequential things. He was showing me he cared about everything, everything that was important to my heart. One of the big things that he taught me was that he goes before me and prepares my way, that before I had needs, he was already providing the answers to my prayers. One way he did that was when my dad had taken me down to MD Anderson for some appointments. We were waiting between appointments, so we said, just let's walk around, go see some different buildings. So we walked over to a different building, and it was a graduate school, and he said, oh, I had a friend you know, who used to work here. Let's go talk to a receptionist and ask about him. And so he did, and the lady's like, well, oh, yes, he's here, and he's a dean, and would you like to talk to him? And we're like, wow. you know. So they had been really good friends back in the day, and so he came out, and we got to talk to him, and he was walking us back over to my building where my appointments were, and he was just saying, do you all need anything? And I was like, well, I feel like God is leading me to come to Houston for six weeks for radiation, so... Hmm. I need a place to stay. (laughs) And he said, you're more than welcome to stay with us. And I was just amazed. And I was like, well, I can't sleep in a bed. I have to have a recliner. And he said, oh, we have a recliner. And so I was just floored that, you know, we were just walking around. We had no intention of seeking out answers to the prayer, but God just came in and he just answered. And I actually ended up staying with his daughter, my friend, Christina, Our moms had been pregnant together. We were born two weeks apart, and our families had just lost touch over the years. But like God brought this amazing godly family back into my life, and they are now my family. And they just really blessed me with their hospitality and their love for God over that time. And I just look back and see, wow, like God really was going before me and preparing my way for sure. Another thing that God taught me, and I love this, that he positions us so we can be in the right place to be a blessing to others, Mm -hmm. and that through having breast cancer, God would put me in certain situations, so I would be around certain people at certain times, and so his will would be accomplished, and he was glorified, and I was blessed in turn as well. 
And there was this one story that I love to think back on. When I was doing my radiation treatments, I would finish and I could go hang out for a while. They have different rooms at MD Anderson and they call them chapels. It just kind of looks like a room and it's got big windows and they would have books and chairs in there. You can go sit and, you know, read a Bible or, you know, they would have books from different religions. So it didn't matter. Everyone could come in and sit and pray or read whatever they wanted to do. So the second day of radiation treatments, I went into the chapel and pulled out my Bible and was just reading. Then I heard at the back of the room, someone come in and just sit down and just start sobbing, just like Mm -hmm. gut-wrenching sobs. So I kind of peeked back a little bit and there was an elderly man just sitting there and just really broke my heart. And I felt like the spirit saying, go pray for him. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't even know he is Christian. Like, I don't want to intrude, like kind of a private moment. But I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to go pray for this man. And I went over and just asked, you know, hi, um, would it be okay if I prayed with you? And he looked up at me and he's like, sure. And I found out that he was indeed a Christian. He and his wife were there for her breast cancer appointments and everything. She had been diagnosed and they were trying to figure out all of her treatments. So we got to talk and share, and I got to tell him a little bit about what God was doing in my journey with breast cancer so far, and just tell him like how God is at work, and you know God will be at work in their situation as well. And he shared a little bit about what they were going through. They were from a different state and had flown in for treatments and appointments and everything. And so I got to pray with him, and we just had a really sweet time in prayer. And then after all of that, he's like, oh, I guess I should introduce myself. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) He gave me his name, and I said, you know, hi, I'm Melinda. And he kind of looked at me for a minute, and he said, years ago, my wife and I had a daughter. She was in her early 20s. She was killed in a car accident, and her name was Melinda. And I just love that so much because God had a Melinda there ready to encourage him at the exact time that he needed it. And, you know, it would have been fine if it had been some other person with another name, but he chose a Melinda. And that was what was special to this couple. I just love that God does position us in the midst of our trials. He takes us to places that we wouldn't have been otherwise. If I hadn't had breast cancer, I wouldn't have been at MD Anderson that day. So I think it's so amazing that he positions us so that we can be a blessing. And in turn, I was very blessed as well. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like though it was a difficult year, God did so, so many amazing things that by the end of it, I really just left that time with an aftertaste of joy. And it was supernatural joy. It was God-given that he worked during that time. And for that, I'm really thankful. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you mentioned the two big lessons being to trust him and then that he will position us so that we can be in the right place to bless others. And what I really love about that is I feel like that's a beautiful picture of what we're all called to in scripture of love God and love others, because we say that we talk about that. We acknowledge that that's a call in scripture. But in our minds, what that means is pray and read the Bible. That's our way of loving God. And then do nice things for others. That's our way of loving others. But you're talking about a much more robust level of what it means to love God and love others. I mean, you're finding yourself in these hard situations. And whereas your humanity would say, I don't want to be in these situations. The love God piece translates to, and yet I'm going to decide to trust God. You know, you said earlier that God invited you to seek his will for what that situation needed to be rather than what your will was. 
So the love God piece cost you Mm -hmm. a lot on that level. And then the love others piece, being willing to be positioned in hard, hard places for the sake of people that you didn't even know before, you may never see again. It's a level of love that isn't contingent on what it will do for you or bring you. Mm-hmm. What's so beautiful about all this is love God, love others can seem hard to us because there are plenty of times in our lives that we don't have the capacity or the desire to do either. <laughs> on top of all the other health things that you had going on, you didn't have much capacity to give, <laughs> right? But <laughs> from that space, God was able to love through you. He equipped you to love him. He equipped you to love others. And he put the pieces in place. The invitation for you was to be willing (laughs) for him to do that, to be willing to trust him in that, to be willing to be used by him in that, no matter what it costs you. And I just love how that takes us to a deeper level of love God and love others. So I really appreciate you sharing that. But I feel like we're still not done with your story. (laughs) I feel like there's still so much more. So what happened next? Yeah, basically to what you were saying, I really feel that God was making his power made perfect in my weakness because I didn't have a lot in me. I didn't have a lot of physical strength. You know, a lot of times I didn't have a lot of emotional strength because I was just drained from everything that I was going through. And I really got to experience that scripture of God really making his power made perfect in my weakness because I experienced him living through me and doing things. It wasn't me. You know, he was actually doing it through me. And so that was also a huge blessing to get to experience. But after that, God gave me another respite, I feel. Hmm. 2013 was a healthier year overall. I was able to drive some again. And during that year, I met the man that I would marry. So pretty good year there. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very thankful that God would give me a little breather sometimes when I needed it. But then the next year, 2014, An old nerve pain injury in my right foot and leg was re-injured, and doctors said that there wasn't anything they could do for it, that I would just have to live with it. Mm. So I dealt with that pain for some time, and then the fall of that year, a remote control fell off of a coffee table onto my foot. Mm. Didn't think much of it, but I had increasing pain in my foot. And noticed that it was slowly turning purplish red and swelled and the pain just kept increasing and that eventually spread up my leg. I was living with my dad at the time and as the pain just became unbearable, I can remember going to my dad and just sobbing and just begging him just like, please help me, please help me. He prayed with me and of course called the doctor who prescribed some high-powered nerve pain medication. And that eventually dulled the pain a little. But around that same time, another health issue developed. In 2015, I was diagnosed with gastroparesis, and that is where the nerves and the muscles of the stomach don't work properly, and that can lead to severe malnutrition, and also diagnosed with severe gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD for short. And then in 2016, I started having debilitating migraine symptoms that affected me every day. So that year, the worsening gastroparesis led to a devastating GERD reaction, which permanently damaged my esophagus. So I would never be able to take in food as I had before. And at this point, I could barely take in water or nutrition and couldn't be around sound or light or people. And I was housebound and not able to do anything at all. 
I think it was 10 months after the remote fell on my foot, I finally received the diagnosis for my severe pain, and that was complex regional pain syndrome, or CRPS. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is a chronic incurable nerve pain disorder, but it's still kind of a mystery to the scientific community. It is classified as one of the most painful conditions known to man, Mm -hmm. and because of that, it's often called the suicide disease. Mm -hmm. CRPS patients have a really wide variety of debilitating symptoms, but often people have what's called allodynia, which is extreme sensitivity to touch, sound, light, temperature, vibration, and all of that can be very isolating and just life-changing. So for me, it's very painful to ride in a car, even just for a few minutes. And just being out in the world and around people can often be very painful. That was just a very heavy diagnosis to deal with. And the weight of dealing with both of those severe issues, along with the fear that they brought, was just overwhelming sometimes. God taught me in this extended time of darkness and silence and isolation that He still had purpose for me even then, and that my life was never useless. That if I could worship Him and glorify Him in my heart during such an incredibly restrictive time, I was fulfilling His purposes for me and was glorifying Him. And then I also got to experience His incredible sustaining power in the midst of great lack during this time, as He showed me that man does not live by food alone, but by every sustaining word of the Lord. And it really amazed everyone that I was able to keep surviving with such little nutrition. Mm -hmm. And the next year, 2017, my gastroparesis continued to get worse. At my lowest, I got down to about 88 pounds, Mm -hmm. and I was basically skin and bones. And it was just a really very scary time because it looked like I might not make it. And one night, Matt and I were just praying and crying together and just really seeking God about the situation. And after he left, I continued spending time with God, just desperately praying for help and for guidance. And God met me there, and he invited me on an ever-deepening walk of trusting in him. And he spoke to my heart to not be like the Israelites in the wilderness who didn't think God would provide food for them. So my circumstances hadn't changed, but things had changed in the spirit. That word from the Lord totally shifted my perspective and emotions so that I could cling to Him and continue on. Later, we found out that my doctor at MD Anderson in Houston was taking part in a clinical trial for a medication that could help gastroparesis, and it was so awesome that God already had me there as a patient due to my breast cancer. After being housebound for five months, God made it possible for me to make the three-hour trip to get the preliminary medical testing done. And it was so cool. I got to experience him being my shield and my protector that day. In the car ride down there, I was just worshiping him and just praising him and praying. And he just kept impressing on me over and over again, Psalm 3.3, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. And so the whole way he was just impressing that on me, that he would be my shield that day and that I'd been in so much pain before, but that he was going to work that day. And it was awesome that he made it possible for me to ride in the car and to be touched by the medical personnel when even a few days before that, it would have caused great pain. But he got to be my shield and protector that day and I got to experience him in a new way. So we did the test, and a few days later, my doctor called and said that my liver enzymes were way too high and that I had been denied from the trial, and that was really my last hope for medication treatment. But over the years, God has taught me that He can do the seemingly impossible, so 
I prayed and sought God and family and friends and church family prayed as well. And I felt like God's word for my situation was Exodus 15, 22-25. That is after the Red Sea miracle, God took the Israelites to a closed door. He took them to a bitter stream when they really needed drinking water in the wilderness. And God had taken me to a closed door as well. So he invited me to not stress or worry, but to really rest in him as I waited on him to bring about some kind of resolution. And I got to walk that out for about a month, and then he answered our prayers, and he brought down my enzyme levels. So I was approved for the trial and the life-saving medication, and he had taken me to a closed door and then brought about supernatural reversal just as he had with the Israelites. So on that medication, I was able to go from 88 pounds back up to my normal weight over the next few years, and I got to experience God as my provider and my rescuer. The Psalms were deeply encouraging to me. I felt like they gave me life and encouragement, comfort, just everything I was feeling. It was being felt by one of the Psalters, David or one of the others. I just really enjoyed how a lot of the Psalms would start out. I'm in pain and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. By the end of it, it would be turned around and their perspective was praise to God and thank you for all that you're doing and my heart sings about you. And so when I would go to the Psalms, I would start out and I would feel that I was understood. And then by the end of it, I was along with the person in praise. And so the Psalms are just very dear to me for what God did through all of my time sitting and suffering in that encouragement. And then there was a verse in Numbers 9.22. It was after the Red Sea miracle when God had led the Israelites through the wilderness. They would stop and stay in one place for a time. And the verse says, whether it was two days or a month or a longer time, that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there. The people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. So I really identified with that verse because my suffering tends to be in the, quote, longer, undefined, when will this ever end (laughs) category. But even in those instances, God was always there with them. They could always see the cloud by day, the fire by night. They always knew his presence. And I know he invites us also to surrender to his will and to abide with him in our wilderness even if that means sitting stationary in our suffering for an extended period of time before moving on. And he began to give me opportunities in the midst of my circumstances to walk out these lessons about surrender as many special events came and went without me in attendance. And that was just so hard to miss out on life, you know, with my family and my friends, my church family, you know, to see life going on around you and to not be able to be a part of it, not be able to love people and spend time with them and just cheer them on like you wanted to. So that was a hard time. But during those occasions, I would spend time with God, just seeking Him and worshiping Him and waiting on Him in the quiet And in the midst of the heartache that I was feeling about missing out, God really met me in a special way as I would spend time with Him in the quiet. He really met me, and I experienced the most amazing, extravagant freedom in that surrender and in His presence. It was such a hard road to get to that place because I just wanted to distract myself from the pain and the missing and everything. But really, he was just inviting me to press in and press through that pain 
just to love him above all else, even above my friends and my family, but desire him above all else. And if I couldn't have, you know, the other things in life that I still had him and just that freedom that is found in surrender just blew my mind. He just drew me in closer and just revealed himself more to me. I really would not trade those instances, so they were hard, would not trade those for anything because of the gifts that I found in him. During that time, he was also really working on me in some different ways. He was really kind of taking me through contentment training. Sometimes I would have nutrition. Oftentimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I would go like three weeks with no nutrition. I think Mm -hmm. the most I ever went was five weeks with no nutrition at all. And it was so, so hard. And a lot of times I was like, God, where are you? What are you doing? But he was really showing me that he was there. He was still at work. You know, if I had food or didn't, like he was still there and still working in my life. And then the other thing was perseverance training through all of these different seasons of having to sit and suffering and not just one health issue, but many health issues at once. He was really growing in me endurance and perseverance and really just working on my character. And even though those were really hard times too, I just really saw the fruit that came from them because he was, he was pruning me and refining me. And one word he gave me during that time was the word resolute, which is strong, firm, and steadfast. And he was really wanting to work that in my life. And at one point, he gave me this mental picture of a person lifting weights. Mm. And he was saying, you know, this is what I'm doing with you in the spiritual realm. Like, we are lifting weights, and though it hurts, you are gaining spiritual strength. And so you will be able to bear great amounts of pressure without caving in. Mm. The other mental picture he gave me was me running on a track. And so he was telling me that many things would be thrown at me from the sidelines to distract me and try to take me down in that season. And I felt like I was supposed to not stop, you know, when things would be thrown at me, not stop, not really take note of it, but really focus on Jesus, keep running the race that he had laid out for me. Totally goes along with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Just focus on what he was wanting to accomplish in that time, in me and through me. So it was a really interesting time of many other health issues bombarding me from the left and the right, but he really helped me to put that into practice and get better at it over time, not focusing as much on the physical that I was experiencing, but turning to him in the spiritual and saying, okay, what are we doing here? What is you want me to accomplish right now? And really got to see him do some cool things in me and in some people around me. So that was a huge blessing. Yeah. One thing I really appreciate that you said was something that I was going to bring up. Earlier when you were talking, it reminded me of something that Darcy Steiner said when I talked with her. That was essentially, you know, do I wish that I could walk like I used to? Yeah, but... I wouldn't trade the suffering because I've grown closer to God in this suffering. And you said something to that effect that you wouldn't trade those hard moments as hard as they were because of what they did to bring you closer to God, to show you who God was. And this whole time you've been sharing one verse that's been popping up in my mind over and over and over is better is one day in your courts than Mm -hmm. a thousand elsewhere from Psalm 84. Mm -hmm. And that's another one that Christians love to hold on to and to celebrate But I think we don't understand the depth of that. What I love about your story is it really indicates that we would want to avoid things at all costs. Mm -hmm. But being in God's presence, even with one of the most painful diseases, 
that's worth it more than a thousand days with perfect health. And so there's just so much that's really beautiful about what your story is bringing out because at every given moment along the way, you're kind of raising the stakes of here's what was going on and here's what's going on and here's what's going on. But we keep coming back to this place. And yet God gave me an opportunity to choose him. God gave me an opportunity to know who he was. God gave me an opportunity to feel his love, which gives others an opportunity to say, okay, well, I know what my hardships are. And I've been saying that my hardships were too much (laughs) to trust God, too much to know God's presence, too much to know that he loves me. But if Melinda could come to that realization (laughs) with all that she's gone through, maybe God does love me. Maybe I can draw more towards him. Have you found that happening more and more, more opportunities where God's putting you in connection with others who end up receiving that invitation from God to know him in the midst of hardship? I think so. I do enjoy sharing what God has been doing in my life. Like that was my prayer from the very beginning, that if he was going to do hard things, that he would give me the ability to share it. And as he fills me with his comfort and encouragement, that I could just be a conduit of that and pass it on to other people. I definitely don't have like this huge ministry, you know, to thousands of people and all of that, but that's not everyone's place. Like sometimes what God has for you is to speak to one person, you know, or maybe it's to speak to just whoever God brings into your life at the time to share what's going on and how God has worked. And I have had awesome people come visit me, you know, when I can't get out, like God will send friends. I'm able to still connect with people through social media and enjoy sharing what God has been doing. And so it is my prayer that as I have been encouraged by many, many other people, Darcy, you know, for one and her story, I've been encouraged by so many people over the years and God has shown me in their lives what is possible. And that makes me think, okay, well, if God can do it in their life, God can do it in my life. I definitely think that God uses all of us to be encouraged by others and then to pass it on to other people for sure. Yeah. Well, and I mean, <laughs> you're a living example of that for me now, because one of the things that I love about us connecting that I didn't know until you shared it is you connected with this podcast because I was on another podcast years ago, <laughs> The Let Post Listener, yeah. that I had forgotten I'd been on. <laughs> I don't think about it all because it was years ago. God had used that to connect you with this, which connected you with Darcy's story. And Darcy is just sharing her story, unclear of who's going to hear it and who's going to respond. Meanwhile, you're hearing it and are encouraged. And we got to hear you share about that in the series finale of the healing series. Mm -hmm. And now here you are now sharing. And, you know, I never know when I put out episodes, if anybody's going to listen, what impact it's going to have. But now I'm getting to hear that you hearing the stories impact you and I get to know that your story is going to impact others because it's this beautiful thing that I love dispelling the myth that in order to have value, you have to have this huge thing. Mm, In order to have spiritual value, you have to have this huge ministry. You know, the Apostle Paul said, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. I plant the seed. Apollos waters it. God makes it grow. God's the one who's doing the big work. Sometimes all we did was plant a seed. And we may or may not see the final fruit of that, but that doesn't change the fact that God invited us into the process. And the simple act of you sharing is planting seeds, even if it's one singular person, but that one singular person could end up feeling the same way you felt when you listened to Darcy's episode, (laughs) feeling heard, feeling seen, feeling encouraged. 
And that is what's so beautiful about how God works through our willingness to step in. I mean, this is the thing. You sharing right now was a significant step of obedience for a lot of reasons, but even just simply around your capacity. I mean, we came into this with the plan of maybe recording in multiple sessions. We've been recording for 41 minutes <laughs> and we did not think that that would happen. Yeah. Like, and that's happening with, at one point I got distracted. I don't know if you heard it because I think somebody opened the door behind me because they're doing work <laughs> in my house. Like all these things should have made this not happen. But among those, you didn't know if you'd have the capacity and God showed up. And that wasn't because you mustered the strength. It's because when we take steps of obedience, God can work. God can do things. Your story is filled with these moments of you not having the capacity, but you take a step of obedience and God works. And the best part about all this is that's not because you're a super Christian. It's because you are someone that's just striving to see God, which means that everyone listening has that same capacity. And somebody could be listening and saying, oh, but why does God have to show who he is and teach us stuff through suffering? That just seems mean and cruel. And you know, whenever I think about that or hear that, it makes me think about the reality that we give ourselves a lot of credit for our capacity to actually hear and understand God. <laughs> and we think if somebody just tells us something, then we'll get it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we could even look in scripture how often Jesus was literally saying things and the teachers of the law didn't get it. It went right over their heads. Of all the people that should have gotten it, it should have been them. They knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies. But the person who had been afflicted with leprosy for years and had experienced being unwanted and neglected, for Jesus to physically touch them and heal them meant a lot more. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody watching could see that as, oh, wow, Jesus is powerful. He did a miracle. But for the person who experienced it, there's something deeper. And I thought of it as you talked about the man does not live on bread alone. How I understand that passage is vastly different than the depth at which you understand it. Because mm -hmm. you have actually experienced not being able to get nutrition and yet living. Mm -hmm. So you actually have this gift in a unique way of understanding that passage in a way that one couldn't with just everyday living. In the midst of the hardness, there is somehow still this goodness of God. And so you've gone through all these things. And now we're in 2022. You know, you mentioned earlier that there have still been challenges that you've been navigating. So tell me a little bit about where things are now in 2022 and what looking ahead looks like having experienced what you've experienced of God's goodness. It's still been hard. Like I think 2019 was just a really great year. God gave me more health and I was able to get out and do more. And it was just such a blessing for him to give me that time. But then in 2020, of course, pandemic and all of that. And I was also diagnosed with chronic venous insufficiency. And that caused a lot of problems. Sometimes I would barely be able to walk. And so I have a wheelchair and a walker now just for when that gets worse. And then starting in 2021, I've been about a year and a half so far through having really severe chest muscle spasms and tightness that cause great difficulty breathing and talking. And there were many days last year where I was just unable to talk at all, unable to be around people, and I could only just sit still and breathe and just try to make it through the day. It was just a really isolating and scary time. And so that has continued on a little bit this year. It's a little bit better. Praise God for that. And then this year, 2020, my gastroparesis has gotten worse. And in January, I lost 16 pounds and just rapidly, you know, saw my weight just plummeting again. And so we are still praying that I won't have to have a feeding tube, but... 
God in the past couple months has been helping me gain weight. And so I'm just so, so, so thankful. It's amazing to not just feel like I'm starving every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm gaining some weight now and just still really depending on God every day for my physical health and for spiritual help and just really thanking him for just continuing to work in my life and blessing me in so many ways. We will see what the future holds. Really, every day is just a trust and faith walk with God. Thankful, you know, have my husband partner in life with me now. And that has just been a really sweet gift. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what God will do. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture of walking that tension of both still reaching out to God with desires. God, help this to work out so I don't need a feeding tube. God, help me to regain some weight, but also holding all that loosely. That You've experienced so much that I imagine your capacity to hold loosely is at a deeper place than it might have been at the start, because you've seen times when God didn't give you what you wanted or what you hoped for or what people said he would give you, and yet somehow was still good, somehow was still loving, somehow was still present. And I imagine it's a lot easier to look at the future and say, I really hope things go this way, <laughs> but even if they don't. I will still trust God. One thing that really encourages me about you is just the way this conversation came about and the way that you heard Darcy's episode and that you ended up leaving a voicemail to share about it and what you just shared about how talking can be extremely hard, if not impossible, and yet God's prompting you to talk on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I know your desire is for all glory and credit to go to God and for it to not be about you, but to him. And so I want to ask a question in a different way. And you've shared a little bit about this in the voicemail, but tell me how God worked through hearing stories like Darcy's, being able to interact with others who have been on similar journeys. How did God use that to deepen your understanding of him and your understanding of how he was at work? Wow. Yeah, I feel like God has put a lot of people in my life through in person and also in books of biographies of awesome Christian people who have gone before us. And I feel like through these people, I have gotten to see what suffering well looks like and that we should not be surprised by suffering because it comes to everyone. Jesus suffered and he told us, you know, we are going to walk in suffering as well. And so through other people, I've really seen how God has worked in their lives and just seen what's possible for him to do in my life in the midst of suffering. I met an awesome friend, Natalie, years ago, and God has really worked through her to just show me so much about how he speaks, how he works, how he wants us to live out his word, how he wants us to have such a deep relationship with him and not be afraid to go deep and spend many hours and spend time in silence, spend time in fasting and prayer. He's just really shown me what is possible and how suffering can be used for good, the gifts in suffering, yeah. and how we can encourage other people with the encouragement that God has given to us. And so, yes, I'm so thankful for the many people God has put in my life, just showing me what he can do. Yeah. Well, just a few closing questions. You know, the first one is, let's say there's somebody listening who is in a similar place as you've been that there are just some really severe health things that they're navigating. They're not sure what's going to happen, if they're going to make it, and they just really feel like they're sitting and suffering. What would you want to say to that person? 
Well, if I could spend some time with them, I would love to just sit with them and listen. I think that is just really important for the sufferer to be able to share what's on their heart and just acknowledge their suffering. Just say, I'm, I'm so sorry that you were going through this. And I would just want to say, just take heart. You may not understand what God is doing right now, but he is with you and he is at work in your situation. He always has a purpose for your life, no matter what you can do or what you can't do. And the trial you're facing did not come as a surprise to God. You can let his presence and his love for you drive out your fears and your worry. You can pray as Jesus did first for the suffering to be removed, but then ultimately not your will, but God's will be done. You can ask God to soften your heart and help you let go of any anger or bitterness or disappointment over your situation. It's so important to cling to and to stay connected to God. He will hold you fast, and He will be your source of strength and endurance and hope. And through this difficulty, you can come to know Him better and experience Him in many ways, as your provider, your sustainer, your protector, your rescuer, your rock, your fortress, and your hope, and so much more. And there is spiritual victory in the depths and the pit because he is there. Sometimes God will prune you so you can bear spiritual fruit. So let him change you and make you new and more like himself. And he wants you to have a testimony of walking by faith. And he wants you to have an unshakable faith. And that is often grown through suffering. And don't waste your suffering. Seek God and let him use it for good and for his glory. And there may be impossible situations beyond your ability to handle, like Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, but God is able to do the impossible, and he wants to blow our minds with what he can do. Wait expectantly for God and see what he will do in your life. That's really good. I appreciate you sharing that. If there's somebody that's listening that wants to hear more about your story or connect with you, how can they do so? I am on social media on Instagram. I am at Mel, M-E-L, and then M-A-L-L-O-Y at Mel Malloy, my maiden name, or on Facebook under Melinda Malloy Culbertson. And I enjoy connecting with people and I do get to share some of my stories there. That's awesome. And as we close out, is there anything else God's putting in your heart that you want to share? Yes, I would just say I'm so thankful for how God works in suffering and how he can give us supernatural joy and thankfulness and hope in the midst of it. And the hope we have is in the Lord, not in a desired outcome. And it's good to remember that spiritual battle is waged in the mind. So keeping our minds saturated with God's word to combat the enemy is so crucial. And praise is also so important as well. Just calling to mind what God has done and praising God for who he is and for what he's done. Also, in our times of suffering, we have the privilege to do things for other people. We can pray and serve and bless and encourage like Jesus even did on the cross. He was taking care of his mom and he was praying for people even in the midst of his deep suffering. So we can give out of what we have received from the Lord. And overall, I feel the best gift that we can receive in suffering is the priceless gift of God himself. Awesome. I'm so shocked that, yeah, God got me through that much today. I'm just, woo. Well, and I was ready to talk a whole lot more if needed. Yes. And then like I was like, she's going for it. I'm just going to sit back. So. Yeah, I was just like, okay, Lord, you just, you do it. <laughs> Yeah.
Matthew 26, starting at verse 36, takes us to when Jesus is just before the crucifixion. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. When we talk about the idea of suffering, no one knew suffering quite like Jesus. Jesus, who didn't deserve any suffering, suffered more intensely than any of us will ever know. Even before his suffering on the cross, this moment in Gethsemane was utterly painful. As Luke 22 verse 44 puts it, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus experienced immense physical suffering, but he also experienced deep emotional suffering, relational suffering, and spiritual suffering. He endured more pain than we will ever understand. And so when we suffer, we can trust that Jesus understands, that Jesus resonates, that Jesus sees us in the midst. And as he so often did, Jesus was choosing to demonstrate something so that we could go and do likewise. In the garden, Jesus made it clear that suffering is hard and we can desire another way. We can ask God for another way. But the invitation is to say, if this can't change God, not my will, but yours be done. Melinda has experienced so much suffering, and yet her desire is to be a conduit of God's comfort, to be able to say to the best of her ability, not my will, but yours be done. It can be difficult to do this, and I imagine that she would say in the hardest moments it was the Holy Spirit equipping her to keep on stepping forward. Because the truth is, is sometimes she didn't have the physical or emotional strength to do so. And yet here she is, sharing her story, talking longer than she had in a year and a half. We actually recorded in two sessions, but the majority of the conversation was in the first, and we only did a second because she felt like God had more to say through our conversation. And as she made clear, this isn't about her, but about God. Melinda would want you to know that any great things you see in her are actually the spirit at work through her, which means you can have that same capacity when you feel like you have no capacity at all. When you are in your lowest space, the Spirit can actually equip you to say what Jesus said. If you could take this cup from me, great. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. 
The invitation isn't just to concede to God's will, but to recognize that God's will may actually be abundantly more than we could ask for or imagine. In other words, the invitation is to see something miraculous, not to have things fixed, not for the pain to be removed. Those are lesser things compared to what God has in store. God sees you. God understands your pain. And if he's choosing to not remove it, it's because he has abundantly more for you. Are you willing to trust his will? And if you're too weak to do so, are you willing to trust the Spirit's capacity when yours is drained? What Jesus did in the garden, you can do today. Jesus was exhausted and sorrowful beyond words. And so his prayer was simple enough for us to replicate when we feel the same. Not my will, but yours be done. In your hardest moments, venture to pray that and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free, get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?